0: everybody welcome this is our very first podcast and it's called bitches who need advice we're bitches who need advice but here today we're here to give you advice because we're experts in life as you can tell mm-hmm. by uh, our backgrounds they're very professional therefore we 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 mean our shit anyway uh, i'm agnia orientos i identify as a woman as a cisgender and i am also a brown latina yeah, even though my on my on my driver's license is white because we don't have another option for, for us, <laughs> 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 I identify as a brown Latina. Moving on, we have Chanel.
1: Yeah, hey guys, my name is Chanel Thurman. I'm as well as a cisgender woman. I'm 26. I'm a Black American, and a little bit about myself. Um, I got a BA in communications. I got my master's in human relations. Um, did various jobs, right now I'm unemployed, <laughs> but on our downtime, um, yeah, we decided we wanted to do this podcast because we talk about political stuff all the time, so we're like, we might as well <laughs> talk about it with other, other folks as well. So, sorry. Uh
2: My name is <laughs> Sarahi. I also identify as a woman, a cis woman. I am 27 years old. Um, I got my degree at ASU. Uh, it's a Bachelor's of Science in Psychology. Um, I identify as Hispanic. Um, my father is from Mexico, but my mother is Caucasian-American. Um, as for what I like to do for fun, I am a mom of an eight-year-old, so she kind of consumes all my time, so uh, that's, that's pretty much it.
0: <laughs> so what do you do for fun? You, you're you a mom for fun?
2: That's my fun time,
0: yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I forgot to say what I do for fun. Well, Pre-COVID, I used to travel a lot. So now I travel from couch to couch. <laughs> <laughs> East country, I label everything. Oh, Italy. <laughs> Next country, oh, oh, this is Austria. That's my traveling. <laughs> but no other than that, I like to hang out with my friends and family and watch yeah. Netflix. <laughs> yeah.
0: For fun, I didn't say what I like to. I'm really into relationships, so I like to watch a lot of TED Talks and read a lot of books about relationships and love. That's my big uh, thing. (laughs) Uh, I also love, I'm a single person who loves to give uh, relationship advice. That's also my forte. And I just graduated with a master's in psychology from ASU, Arizona State University. (laughs) And you're doing big things. Yeah, and <laughs> the, the three of us—this is super exciting, you guys. The three of us are unemployed.
1: <laughs> We're in <missing> between jobs. <laughs> you guys, yeah, remember go to school and not do nothing. That's what you're gonna do with <laughs> <in> your degree. <laughs>
0: Okay, so we're here. are gonna go places. <laughs> yeah, so t- today we're here to talk about something that we've been seeing in our social media and something that we've also been, I mean, I personally think that I've been guilty of. And it's something called performative activism. It's something that um, we saw happen when the Black Lives Matter movement started. Um, get more clout and get more attention, we saw that there were more people that were speaking about it, but not really getting involved. Um, Chanel, do you do you want to add a little bit more about what performative activism is?
1: Yeah, so basically performative act- activism is basically when you use, kind of like the infographics that we're seeing on Instagram, you use that as your personal and Um, capital gain rather than generally caring about a movement. And some examples, and we're gonna talk about the Black Square thing, the Black Square thing where people posted the Black Square and just said Black Lives Matter and then just kind of hopped off and never spoke about it again. I know a few people that have done that. Uh, Preferred activism is also these companies all of a sudden caring about Black lives like Starbucks, Twitter, the NFL saying they're for black lives but not really caring they're not really caring about it um, um, deep down really and you could tell because it's like do you still employ black lives are you paying you know more black people more it's it's just like tone deaf you
0: know go ahead it sounds like, sorry to interrupt you, but it sounds so like uh, it's putting up a facade of caring about black, black lives matter and Black lives, but behind the scenes, they're not doing anything about it. Exactly. But it's, it's, it's sort of, it's a trend. It, they took it like as a trend or like a fashion or something to get behind, but not really doing the work and the hard work that it, it involves to actually care for Black lives.
1: Oh, yeah, definitely. Because... We still have like non-black people still inserting their spaces in black spaces. We still have non-black people using Af- African-American vernacular English, which is they, like which is basically bonics like cis, period, finna, other words, mm-hmm. and um, a whole plethora of stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it's not genuine, mm-hmm. and I still see it because. I still have non-Black folks still speaking over Black people as well, thinking because they learned racism two, two days ago, <laughs> they're all of a sudden an expert on Black lives. And so I, I still really see that heavily. So that's that's another way of um, before the activism. But I kind of want to pan over to you guys about the Black Square thing. I kind of want to get like a non-Black person perspective on why you guys posted that.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: So, when I had posted that, I was definitely guilty of the performative action uh, activism where I posted the Black Square and then I hashtagged it Black Lives Matter. Mm-hmm. Um, I had started hearing about performative activism and I kind of uh, read up on it. and my thing was, well, if I keep posting about it on my Insta story, then it's not performative activism, um, which I later learned was was very wrong. So in my eyes, I thought I was doing something helpful by informing the people who follow me on Instagram continuously, like, this is a problem. You know, I posted about Brianna Taylor and um, Elijah McLean, but in a sense, that was still performative activism if I wasn't donating or calling senators or signing petitions or, you know, things like that.
0: Yeah, since we talked about performative performative activism, I am wondering what activism really entails when it's not performing. Mm
2: -hmm. And I think that that kind of goes into, like, questioning our motivation of why am I posting this black square? Why am I posting, you know, these memes that I find or these uh, like posts that I find from other activism accounts and posting it on there? Is it to show my Black friends that I'm an ally? Is it because this is something that I want to actively be involved in? And it really just goes back to questioning, I think, our motives when we're trying to, kind of like you said, um, take part in activism.
0: Oh, okay. So rather than actually wanting to make a change, it's, we're, we're trying to look like allies and 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 trying to look like we empathize with black people but not really doing the work that it takes to help them that's that's kind of how i see it Mm -hmm. yeah queer activism just takes more than that active actual activism takes donating to the causes it takes calling your representatives it takes sending emails to your representatives it takes getting involved in the in the fight for for
2: for equal opportunities for people. Yeah, it takes like that action in the activism. You have to put in that work. So mm-hmm. mm-hmm. oh. now, what's up? I will say.
1: Sorry, my throat. I will say I wouldn't have a problem with the Black Square thing if people attach like. Hey, here are some um, mm-hmm. black-led organizations that we can go. We can donate to. Here are some black voices you guys need to listen to. Um, <clears throat> here's some other resources that you should know about. I would have been fine with that, but a lot of people because that day I post on my story and like, hey, y- y'all need to delete that unless you're attaching my like, resources, black-led, black-led organizations you can follow or donate to, and people still left their black square up. So. That's how I know it wasn't genuine, but it would have been different if it was like that. And even I posted like screenshots saying like, hey, like, if you're only posting that Black Square and only hashtaging Black Lives Matter, and Black people are telling you to take that down, it's not doing anything for us, who are you doing it for, you know? And that's, again, like I said, another sign of performative activism, because you're doing it for yourself. You're not really doing it for Black lives.
0: So... So I keep talking over you. Sorry, good guy.
1: Oh, I was just saying. <clears throat> what I realized, interestingly, I'm sure y'all know the black and white photo challenge that happened a week week or two ago. Yeah. And you know, it, same thing. People didn't know originally what what it was for, and it was about raising awareness for the femicide in Turkey. And I want to say I noticed more when people. Um, realize what the cause was about more people were inclined to um, update that black and white photo and raise awareness about that more than they did with the black square.
2: Mm. So, Why do you think that that is?
1: Because at the end of the day, black people are still seen as the bottom of the barrel. So that that's what I honestly think. And but what,
0: I'm hearing, what I'm hearing from your argument is that what performative activism does is actually silence Black voices. Yep. While masking themselves on giving them a voice, they silence Black voices.
1: Oh, yeah, definitely. Because like I said, even when Black people were saying, hey, delete the squares or at least list Black-led organizations or Black voices to listen to, they didn't change it at all. They're they're doing it for their own personal capital gain. Yeah. Yeah. It's just frustrating. (laughs) What else was frustrating was um, after when George Floyd died, I kind of had mixed feelings. I I did want my friends to reach out to me, but also the friends that didn't reach out to me, it it was just kind of overwhelming just because I've been speaking about this stuff since forever, since high school really. And just how people were rebutting me like, what can I do to help black lives? Like how are you feeling? And it's just like, now you want my opinion? <laughs> you know, I've been talking about this stuff forever. Now, why now, you know? And, and I feel like why? And I feel like it's because it's a trend, mm-hmm. you know? That's why they're more inclined to check up on me and stuff, which was a nice gesture. Like I said, I was kind of mixed about it. Part of me, yeah, I wanted, I wanted people to check up on me. Part of me didn't because it just was overwhelming.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um. But yeah, it's just frustrating because I think about when three years ago, I went to the Women's March, and I basically critiqued it, just basically how it was so white-centered, it was so cisgendered too, it was able body centered, like it's, it's only for white, cis, able body straight women, and I basically just talked about how white women will now be my allies because of that, because there were some Trump, Trump supporters there too, and I'm like, okay, you can't be for women and be pro-Trump. Y'all, <laughs> I got eviscerated for that. I got threats. <laughs> I got people telling me, oh, um, you're the one that's problematic. You're dividing the race. Like, people unfollowed me because of that. And I think back now, I think about it now, if I posted that today, I would get praised for it, which is ridiculous because three years ago, y'all had a problem with it so i've been speaking about this stuff forever and now all of a sudden you guys care like fake care because like i said you, non-black people are still not doing the work so it just gets frustrating for you know of course i can't speak for all black people but for a black person because we've been screaming about this forever and now all of a sudden people want to catch on and be for the movement but really really they're not i don't know if you guys heard about. um Activism fatigue. Have, have y'all seen that around? Yeah. What? <laughs> Wait, no, what is it? I haven't heard about it. What is it? Um, so I saw it floating around on Twitter. Basically, <laughs> white people were saying, like, oh guys, you know, activism fatigue is real. Like, it's okay to take breaks. We know it's tiring. What? <laughs> What's tiring? I'm black. I can't take my skin color off. Exactly. You guys can tune in and out anytime mm-hmm. you want. Exactly. I, I, it, it was just so insulting to see that around. Oh, 100%. Because...
0: And it's a privilege not to care.
1: Exactly. It's That's a privilege. It's a privilege. If care. No to see, boo. Like, yeah. <laughs> if I'd rather for people to stay silent than fake care about the movement. Yeah, Exactly. Yeah.
0: I want to take a minute, though, to ask you about your experience um, talking about that march and how it made you feel, but also to do you feel like from there three years ago to where we are now, do you feel like we're making progress as a movement or do you feel like the progress that we're making is more performative? At the same time, I know that people are getting more informed. And I remember that I was colorblind, you know, I think I was like, what, like, in my freshman year of college, I didn't understand it. And and after I graduated is when I came to understand it. Um, But do you feel like more people are getting informed? Or is it getting behind something that they don't quite understand?
1: I kind of split. Part of me yeah. says we're not getting better just because I think about if we weren't under quarantine, how many people would show up for Black Lives? Mm-hmm. Like, I think about, is it something that people did just because there's nothing else to do? Because... Oh. Um, I don't know if you guys know Nathan Zed. He's a YouTuber, but he kind of explains some of it where, like, we see all these white girls <laughs> attending Black Lives Matter marches because Coachella canceled this year. So that was, like, their Coachella. Like, they won the riot for fun. And it's like, this ain't fun stuff. Like, this is serious stuff. So you need to be down for the cause or you're not at this point.
0: Yeah, and it's disrespectful but. because it's something that's affecting a group of people and it's affecting them really bad and as an outsider coming in just seeing it as a little fun project that they're doing right really not helping the cause because you're not using empathy you're using more like sympathy of like um it's like you yeah like what we're saying you're making a performance that's not really
1: helping right a part of me is kind of hopeful because and I know Agne you know, we talked about this how four, four years ago, even like two years ago, we weren't talking about defunding the police. So yeah. that that you know, that's a huge step. Um, I will say I respect white people who are on the front lines for Black Lives Matter marches and getting their eyes taken out. So mm-hmm. I will give them credit for that. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. But definitely, you know, keep this is a lifetime commitment though. This ain't no one week, two week three month type thing. This is a lifelong commitment to unlearn your implicit biases. It's a lifetime commitment to be there for black lives. It's a lifetime commitment to just unlearn learn that because as long as you're white, it's, it's, it's not a done thing. It, it's a lifetime commitment. Yeah. Because you have those implicit biases. Yeah. Um, so, um, yeah. Okay. Do you guys have any other questions? <laughs> I'm on a roll. <laughs> <laughs> so, we
2: kind of talked about, we, t- we talked a bit about how what performative action, activism looks like. What do you think would be good examples of what, what real activism looks like? You had mentioned, um, you know, white people on the front lines kind of, you know, losing their eyes um, during the protests. What are some other ways non black people can genuinely get involved in the movement?
1: okay so non-black people's jobs are to listen to black voices and elevate our voices that's y'all's job okay uh, so
0: why would elevating
1: your voice look like basically like if you see a black person talking about white supremacy like on instagram twitter whatever platform mm-hmm. retweet that share it on your story say hey You know, this is a person you need to listen to. That's what elevating voices look like. Okay. Um, Also, Black people, we are very nuanced. We, of course, all don't believe in the same thing. So when I say listen to Black voices, pay attention to what voices you're listening to. Are you only listening to Black men? Are you only listening to light-skinned Black people? Are you only listening to able-bodied Black people? Are you only listening to straight? Uh, black people definitely diversify what voices you're listening to because we're all, like I said, all very nuanced. We all have our uh, our different opinions as well. Mm-hmm. So definitely diverse, uh, diverse, diversify that as well. Um, and another thing too, I want to talk about. I see people saying, you know, support black people, but. These non-black people that are saying support black people aren't supporting your black friends. I um I don't know if you guys know. So uh, I post on Instagram that basically I'm selling my clothes, and I'm and and all the funds go to black or black-led organizations and black people's cash apps and Venmos. I, I did get traction. A lot of people did share, but it wasn't enough. Like I literally had to go on my story and say, "Hey, if you haven't shared this." you need to because you're because at the end of the day you are supporting black lives this is what i'm doing so please support me in that i understand we're in a pandemic so some people are unemployed and they can't buy the buy my clothes which is fine or they can't fit my clothes which is fine as well but it's free to share my stuff so it's it's just that it didn't have to take me to say hey please share my stuff (laughs) but for people to share it so uh, yeah, I, I import people to, um, support their black friends because you guys say support black people, but you guys don't support your black friends. So definitely support your black friends and whatever you can. Um, like I said, donate to black led organizations as well. Um, donate to cash app, cash app and VIMOS, which I know is <sighs> controversial for some people. So, I'm in a couple of groups and um and me and some of the co-founders were talking about um creating a lever so that people can donate to black people's cash apps, Venmos and all that stuff.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So, this organization uh well this group that I'm in, it's not only black people there's white people, Hispanic people as well. <laughs> and it, just one of them had a problem donating straight to Black people, and they're just saying like, you know, we don't know what they're gonna do with that money at the end of the day. What are they gonna like uh take that money and use drugs with it? And I just had a problem with that because it's like, okay, we can say the same for these nonprofit organizations. We donate to these organizations, and yet we still don't see a change. Exactly. And, you know, so. If, I don't know, that was just an implicit bias of her. Just oh, yeah, what are they gonna do with that, you know, and so I mean, at the end of the day, yeah, we don't know what they're gonna do with it, but we we just hope, you know, it, it helps them, you know. Mm-hmm. Cause black people were go- we're going through two two pandemics, COVID and police brutality, you know, and that's the best thing that you can do for black people is donate money to them that's the best thing and yeah reparations Mm -hmm. that's owed to us so you're doing a great thing like i said i I can't express this enough if you want to help black people and if you have the means to definitely donate if you can't donate at least elevate our voices get the word out there that we need money so
0: yeah there's also i am broken, yet because I'm unemployed, <laughs> but there's a YouTube uh, playlist that I don't know if you guys know about. Do you guys know about it? I think I saw it. Black Lives Matter uh, playlist. So there's this playlist that it has uh, just creators in YouTube, and all of the profits that those YouTube videos get from the ads go to uh, Black Lives Matters organizations. I did hear
1: about that actually. Yeah
0: yeah um i can put a, a link on the bio i listen to it like every morning like without ads you just you, you take out the ad block and you're basically donating for free yeah so that's something that you can do as a broadcast person like me <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah there's tons of ways you can help it's just you, know, you-
0: i wanted to go back though Chanel, because mm. you said that uh the retweeting and elevating the voices how can we re- how can we differentiate performative activism with um just elevating voices? How can we differentiate that? Because I I thought, I saw performative activism as sh- posting stuff on your Facebook feed, but not really acting upon it. Right? It's just like seeing it as a trend. Right. But how can I d- differentiate it between elevating Black people's
1: voices? And doing that are you saying um how to spot somebody yeah. using foreign action versus like their genuine interest mm-hmm. in helping us yes yes it's hard especially if you don't know them i, I just know it's performing action uh, activism because i know these people that you know that share these infographics and still not and still using, like I said, African american Okay,
0: let's rub their names. You know who you're <laughs> Stop that, shit.
1: You're gonna show up at their house, girl? See you,
0: bud. Let's rub their ad down. Let's tag down this video.
1: <laughs> Stop posting, <laughs> shit. I'll tell Stop you. Podcast ends, okay, I'll tell you. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I, w- I would say it is hard to differentiate, especially if you, don't, if you don't know them, you know? So it's hard. So, again, yeah, I, I don't know what to say about that, because, yeah, like I said, these people actually know, and I know they're not doing the work, <laughs> but I don't know. I would say maybe strike up a conversation with them. If you oh. see them posting infographics, say huh? like, oh, w- were you about to say something?
0: Yeah, so for me, what pissed me off is one of my favorite artists. I'm not gonna say their, their name, but her name starts with an S and it, it rhymes with, Era. <laughs> I don't know if you guys know that I love her to death, but the only thing that she posted on her face, which she didn't post anything on her Instagram, anything about it, she just put, like posted the black square yeah, on her. Yeah. That's the only thing that she did, and I'm like, bra you know you can do so much more Like you have a platform where you can inform people about black lives matter and the only thing that you choose to do is a little black thing without posting like where to where to donate and stuff it just means that you don't really care you're just doing it oh yeah it's like the i'm not racist stroke i'm gonna put this so people think that i'm not racist you know it's like a safe face type of thing mm-hmm. rather than actually caring about the cause um, so that's, I think that's an, that's, a, that's an example of performative activism. It's, it's I still one, see one, people it using it for your own sake rather than for the actual cause.
1: I still see people saying, oh, how can I be racist when I have black friends or I'm dating a black person? That is the most tired ass. <laughs> okay, okay. Yeah, let's, okay yeah, no, let's talk about this. Let's talk about it. I am racist. You're racist.
0: You're racist. Everybody watching this is racist. Racism is ingrained in us. It's it's a it's it's a learned behavior that we need to unlearn, and it's every day that we need to unlearn it.
2: And I think it's important to address that that's not something that's not like an end point that we reach until yeah, the exactly. it's something that you are going to have to we all are going to have mm-hmm. to be actively working towards mm-hmm. and actively teaching our children about, actively talking to our families about that. And just ensure that we're not, we don't get to a place where we're comfortable and we feel like, well, my, my friends are diverse enough, I don't use certain language, I don't do this, I don't do that, so I'm done. It's something that is never done and we will spend the rest of our lives, all of us, working towards learning those, unlearning those
0: behaviors. Exactly, exactly. And when we see people that use performative, performative activism to look down on others, um, I have a problem with that, because it's an ego boost, rather than what it's meant to be, which is like, activism is meant to help,
1: you know. Right. Um, yeah. Yeah. And I and I can't say this now, just because you're a close proximity to Blackness, like I said, i.e. friends, dating someone Black. It doesn't mean that you're black at the end of the day. Like, you're still your race. Exactly. And you still have those implicit implicit biases. Mm-hmm. Like I
0: said,
1: I don't care if you got a black friend. I don't care if you're dating a black friend. Uh, date, dating someone black.
0: We can't even talk about the people that feel better about, like, not being racist because they're dating a racist. Oh, yeah, like, I'm doing my part because I'm dating a black person. <laughs> like, yeah. that's all fucking messed up. Are you serious?
1: <laughs> Especially when you're dating a black person, you can still very well fetishize them. Oh yeah, a racism, Yeah. So. And that and that's a whole other different topic I can expound on too. Yeah,
0: that we can we can say for our next podcast because this is about yeah, boys, girls and everybody that's in this podcast. <laughs>
1: But yeah, overall, like I said, at the end of the day, the most people can do is donate to Black people if you have the means. If you don't have the means, definitely just boost that organization, boost that Black voice, because we need it, you know. Mm -hmm. Unfortunately, people still have a hard time listening to Black folks, so that's why, you know, we need allies to elevate our voices, because unfortunately, at the end of the day, the oppressors listen to other oppressors. They don't okay. listen to the oppressed. Mm-hmm. So that's the best thing that non-black folks can do. I
0: think that's very, very powerful what you said, that the oppressor listens to the oppressor. Yep. Mhm. Yeah, I like it. And with that, we're going to end our podcast. Thank you so much for listening and tuning in. Um, the reason that we name our podcast Peacers Who Need Advice is because we want to make sure that this is more of an open discussion. We accept criticism and um, we also accept uh, your your comments and concerns regarding these topics. Thank you so much for watching and we'll see you next
2: time.
0: <laughs> <laughs> okay, how did I start recording? <laughs> Okay. Okay. It's right here. Okay. (laughs)